Welcome to the Super Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Olaomi Brigway, a transformational life coach and the creator of Super Abundant Woman, where we are teaching and equipping women who have a burning desire for significance to create an exceptionally successful and fulfilling life without burnout or stress. In the not too distant past, I myself was trapped in an agonizing cycle of failure and shame with my mind constantly dominated by negative emotions. But my life was dramatically transformed beyond my wildest dreams when I began to live by the power and the wisdom of God's word. My mission is to teach others to experience the same. On the Super Abundant Life podcast, we have only one goal teach and empower Christians to take full advantage of their rights and privileges in Christ so they can build exceptionally successful lives. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here. Hello, allow me Brigway here and welcome back to the podcast. Today is episode 154 and I'm truly, truly glad and grateful to you for showing up on this podcast week in, week out. Don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes and don't forget to share the podcast with friends, family, people that you know it will greatly bless Thank you for doing that. So before I go into what I'm going to be talking about today, a quick reminder that GEMS, which is Goal Execution and Mastery System, my 12-week transformational coaching program that only opens up once a year, will be opening up on the 22nd of November. So if you would like to get on the wait list, simply go to the link in the show notes of this episode and you'll be able to do that. We'll send you a lot more information about what GEMS is in preparation for when doors open. Okay, so let me move on to what I'm going to be talking about today. Uh, Today is going to be a short-ish kind of episode. Um, (laughs) I know that I've said it's going to be a short episode before and we ended up with like 40, 45 minutes. But really, really, I think today's one is going to be like straight to the point, mainly because there are so many things that I need to do um, in this season over the next couple of weeks. A lot is on my plate that I'm handling and I just want to manage my time and my space so that I still deliver exceptional work, which is very, very important to me. I do not believe in shoddy work. I don't accept the excuse that, oh, I have so much that I'm doing. I have so many things on my plate that I just need to do healthier, healthier, healthier. I really can't live like that. I don't, that's not a philosophy that I live by. So anything that I put out, I always 
strive by the grace of God to be excellent, to be exceptional in the quality of whatever I put out there. So if it means reducing the length of this podcast, for example, but still making it excellent and being a blessing to people, then that is absolutely what I'm going to do. So today I'm going to be talking about self-sabotage. Now, because this is Today's episode is like a mini sort of episode. I'm not going to go really deep into self-sabotage because (laughs) there's so much to unpack in self-sabotage. All right. Self-sabotage is a real thing. It is not something that you can just say, hey, what's up? No, it's a real thing. These are things that, you know, so the effects of self-sabotage, literally the things that cause people from, quote, unquote, not fulfilling their destiny. If you see anyone and you look at them and think, wow, this person has so much potential, how are they not here or there or whatever by now? It's as a result of self-sabotage. In fact, in GEMS, we dedicate an entire module to what we call confirming beliefs because these are things that are within yourself. The things that are inside you that are fighting against your own success that you say you want. And the amazing thing about self-sabotage or confirming beliefs are they are invisible, right? They are operating at the subconscious level. Because they're operating at the subconscious level, they're not very easy to identify. So you need to be skilled. And this is something that I'm trained in, right? That I've been trained in, that I apply to be able to identify. So my ears have been trained. I, uh, you know you know how you have trained ears. If I'm having a conversation with someone and they're like, yeah, this is what's happening, this is what I desire, etc. Literally within about 15 minutes of just conversing with the person, I can pick out and identify this is what is actually holding you. Because self-sabotage or Conforming beliefs will express themselves through your thoughts, through your actions, through your words, through your emotions, with the things that you're speaking. So a trained ear will be able to pick out. And of course, there's also what is called the discernment of spirits or the spirit of wisdom that, you know, you somebody that's operating that is able to pick out. So these things are not obvious because they are not obvious. That means that we have to really, really, really be open to people that are skilled in being able to help us identify these things. And another way to um, bring ourselves to the awareness of any form of self-sabotage is by knowledge. And that's one of the reasons why I'm recording this particular episode. These are things that I identified in my own self. So what I'm going to be sharing with you is actually from a story, something that literally happened to me. It happened to me and I was like, eh, you mean this is how <laughs> this is how this thing works? And as a result of that, I'm always on the lookout for self-sabotaging emotions. So today I'm going to focus primarily on self-sabotaging emotions. Anytime you want to create any form of change in your life, any of these or all of these self-sabotaging emotions will show up in one form or the other. Okay, and if you don't understand that this is a battle you're going to have to fight and win to effect that change, then you will get knocked back every single time. So I'm going to be talking about four self-sabotaging emotions that you must overcome to create any kind of meaningful change in your life. So like I said, this actually happened to me and here goes. I learned to ride the bicycle when I was an adult. A lot of you listening to me can probably relate to this. (laughs) And it's not like I didn't really have an opportunity to. I remember going back, you know, into my childhood, 
memories of my childhood. I remember that I actually had a tricycle, you know, the one that they have training wheels. And I had a little tricycle as a child. My, my siblings are f way older than me. Um, so they sort of were closer in age and I was like the baby of the house that was, you know, really big age gap. Um, so they sort of did their own things and I sort of would do my own thing kind of thing. And actually by the time I was 10, everybody had left the house. They were that much older than I was. So it, I remember actually having opportunities, but I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I have a feeling that maybe I was not interested maybe they tried to teach me and i was like leave me alone kind of thing or maybe i fell down a couple of times and i was like i'm not doing it again. leave me alone whatever i don't know but for whatever reason i never really did learn to ride the bicycle and i was an adult in fact to be specific i was in my 30s early 30s and i was like 32 or there about 32 33 and it just occurred to me that Come on, this girl, you don't know how to ride a bicycle. Though. And I just had this strong desire to learn how to ride a bicycle. It wasn't like it was going to add anything like, you know, improve my life in such a way that unless I ride a bicycle, I can't grow in my career or whatever. So it wasn't going to be that much of a change to my lifestyle, but it was something that I wanted to do. I wanted to have that option. I wanted to have the option of, okay, rather than maybe driving to the supermarket, I could ride or I could take my bicycle and go into the park and ride. I wanted more options and that was def definitely something that I um, set my sights on and I wanted to do. So what I'm going to now share with you, <laughs> what I'm going to share, so we've defined what the goal is. At the time, my goal was to learn to ride a bicycle as an adult, as a 33-year-old. So what I'm going to do now is to tell you the story, the different stages of self-sabotaging emotions that I experienced that were really strong, that could have derailed me, that were powerful enough to have derailed me at any point in that journey, but because I was able to overcome every one of those self-sabotaging emotions at every stage today i know how to ride a bicycle okay so that's what i'm going to do so i'm going to tell you the story to then highlight the four stages that i went through and by doing that hopefully you will then be able to see and identify certain self-sabotaging emotions that may be holding you back currently for whatever change you want to achieve so first of all, very quickly, what is self-sabotage? Self-sabotage is when you subconsciously, it is not a conscious thing. When you subconsciously show up as a hindrance to your own success. They're showing up as a hindrance to other people's success. Like this person, I lie, you will not, <laughs> you will not prosper. I will stand in your way. I mean, there are people like that. But what do you do when you yourself are oh, the person that is standing in your own way? against the thing that you say you truly want and you don't know that you're the one standing in your way so that's literally what self-sabotage is and self-sabotage can show up or find expression through your thoughts through your emotions through your words and through your actions they're all linked so none of these things happen in isolation so your thoughts will eventually create your emotions emotions will eventually create words words will eventually create actions and then the cycle will start again so they're all linked but i want to zoom in on emotions today and the second thing i want to say is self um, sabotage is rooted is rooted or finds its source in self-preservation 
So the reason why you self-sabotage is because your brain wants to preserve you. Your brain does not want too much change happening in your life. It's as simple as that. Your brain is most efficient when things are happening subconsciously. So for example, the you get up in the morning, you don't have to think of, okay, literally by default, you, you have a routine. You get up, maybe you drink a glass of water, then you go and have your shower, brush your teeth. These things have been ingrained, programmed into your subconscious so that you can leave the least amount of energy to thinking consciously. If you drive to work, you will know that 90% of that journey is not conscious. Unless literally somebody jumps in front of it and you have to very quickly, you know, think or whatever it is. Even the you putting your foot on the brake and pressing the brake is subconscious. But then after that happens and then jolts you, you now need to make a conscious decision as to how to handle the situation. But most of it is subconscious. And that is how the brain wants you to operate because it's the most efficient way to operate. If you're thinking, thinking, thinking about everything, then you're going to be paralyzed. Okay. You're going to be expending too much energy and your body or your brain, I should say, doesn't want that. So it's actually rooted in self-preservation. Your brain does not want anything to change. It wants to continue with the status quo. So you have to understand that who you are really fighting, the enemy quote unquote you're fighting is within. All right. So let me now tell you the story. So I remember just had this very strong urge 33rd birthday or there, I can't remember if it was around my birthday. I said, I want to learn. I, I don't specifically remember what triggered it. Something must have triggered it that made me feel like I must learn to ride a bicycle. So here's the thing. Let me move into the first one. So when the desire first arose within me, the initial thoughts. So this is bringing me now to the first self-sabotaging behavior or rather emotions. The initial thoughts that flooded my mind, the moment that desire became rooted, like I definitely want to do this thing, were basically this. Those thoughts came and they exempted me of responsibility. I started to think things like, oh, my parents should have taught me how to ride a bicycle. How come nobody taught me? My siblings were way older than I am. They didn't teach me how to ride. They could ride a bicycle. How come they didn't teach me? If I'd only grew up, grown up in a society where bicycling or cycling was really valued and so on and so forth. So essentially the first barrage of self-sabotaging emotions that I faced were literally summed up as this denial of responsibility, which is what I call the pointing finger syndrome. When you want to, when there's a change that you want to um, experience in your life. So for example, somebody is in their marriage and they think, oh, I wish, you know, my marriage could be like this or that couple, see how they're talking to each other with respect, etc. Denial of responsibility will immediately come and tell you that if only my husband would change, if only he would not do this, then our situation would be like this. So that in itself is absolving you of any kind of responsibility, meaning your brain is trying to tell you, don't change or don't change or don't change or there's nothing wrong with you. Just stay as you are. But that's a self-sabotaging thought and an emotion. And if you accept it, you are going to do exactly what your brain wants you to do, which is to stay exactly as you are. And until you change, we all know that your situation cannot change. It's as simple as that. You are not what you desire. You don't experience what you desire in life. You experience who you are. So the state of your heart, the state of your being is basically what will be reflected 
in the state of your conditional environment. So the first self-sabotaging emotion will present itself as a denial of responsibility. I would really love to progress in my career to this level. However, look at the kind of people that they're employing there. I'm black, so there's nothing I can do in order to be able to change this or to rise in my career. If only everybody in this organization will stop being racist, then I could actually have moved forward until they stop being quote unquote racist. I can't move forward. That's a denial of responsibility. And it's actually a self sabotaging emotion. When you find yourself putting responsibility for change on other people or on somebody else or on any kind of external thing to you, you are denying responsibility and that very emotion has come to present itself as a hindrance to your success or to the change that you say you desire. So how did I overcome this objection when it came up or this self-sabotaging emotion? I started to remind myself that I am the master of my own fate. I started to remind myself of the fact that, okay, yes, yeah, so they could have taught me when I was three years old right? Yes. So my parents could have taught me. Yes. So my siblings that were more to that could have taught me whatever the reason was. I don't know. And I don't care at this point in time, it is my responsibility to choose whether I want to learn how to ride the bicycle or not. I am the one that creates my own experiences. It is a gift that God gave me. And I will not relinquish that gift and that right, that privilege in favor of blaming other people. If I go through my entire life, these are the things I was telling myself because this thing was real. I, I promise you. It wasn't just like, eh. no, for days I had to keep talking to myself like this, right? That if I go through life, never learning to ride a bicycle, it would not be my parents' fault. It would not be my siblings' fault. It would be my fault. Because I've been an adult that could make such a choice for a while now. And I will still have several years to live where I would still be an adult that could make the change for myself. It is nobody else's fault. Anything I'm experiencing in my life, any change I want to create in my life is nobody's responsibility but mine. And that was how I was able to convince myself and get myself out of that self-sabotaging emotion. So let's move on to the next one. So these actually happened to me in stages and most likely they will happen to you in stages because let me tell you something. Okay. There's the brain one. There's also Satan that does not want you to progress in life. So when I say self-sabotaging thoughts, those thoughts are not always yours. Sometimes it is an injection of Satan's life to keep you where you are. Jesus was meant to go to the cross, something that was going to bring him immense glory and to fulfill the will of the father. Yet thoughts came to him through Peter to say that you must not go to the cross. So it is possible to also come from the, uh, you know, the source, um, the enemy, which is Satan. Do you understand that? So he will not relent. All your brain will not relent because remember self-preservation. It doesn't want you to change anything significantly in your life because it is not efficient. It is not efficient to do so. So once moving on to the second one, and now the second self-sabotaging emotion, which is different from denial of responsibility. The second one is resignation, resignation, or what I'll call the it's too late syndrome. 
Like, man, let me show you how this, let me tell you how this showed up in my life. So once I had accepted responsibility, personal responsibility, that is my responsibility, Joe. I, I, I'm the one that must make the decision to change my, my life, etc., etc. A deluge of thoughts and emotions then came to persuade me of my powerlessness. Like, no, you can't do it. It's just too late. Your motor skills are way too set now. That's why they teach you as a child. When you are still, you, you are still very flexible. The brain is still very flexible. Now it's just too impossible for you as an adult to be learning how to ride the bike or to swim or any of those things. When people say, oh, that's just how I am. That's just how I am. That's just my personality. Meanwhile, that personality, you're using your mouth to destroy everybody in your path. <laughs> Yeah, say that's how I am. That's how I am, right? You're usually about to curse everybody and release death and say, I have to say it as it is. Okay, why do people say I have to say it as it is only when it's about releasing death? Why don't they say, oh, I have to say it as it is and it's like, oh, you, you've done such an amazing job. Why do they defend that I have to say it as it is when it is something negative? That means it's not, it's not really, I have to say it as it is, that's worrying the person. It is more of, listen, I know this is not going to be appropriate. I know this is going to cause pain, but I will say it anyway because I don't want to put a filter on my own mouth. So they say, this is how I am. I can't change. You know, it's too late. I've, you know, there's nothing, I've, whatever. Okay. So it's self-sabotaging behavior or response or emotion when you feel that resignation. When the resignation literally is in front, I was like, no, it's, it's too late. I, I, I know that it is my responsibility to do it, but I just don't have the tools, the skills, the relationships, the things, resources, whatever I need to be able to do it, I do not have it. But do we not understand, has we more, have we not seen enough examples in the Bible that God always starts with whatever is in your hands? Any kind of change you want to create, any kind of desire you want to reach out for, you already have what you need in your space to make it happen or at least get started. And as you get started, as you begin to move forward, anything else you need will find its way into your environment. That's how it works. Right. So I began literally to not I, as in the, the thoughts were just coming. I began to feel like inadequate, like I, I just can't, I just can't, I just can't, I just can't. Literally, that was how I was feeling. Who is going to teach you? You don't have the resources. You don't have the, the skills to be able to do it. You had it as a child, but now you, everything is just set. Everything is set. You can't learn it anymore. And how did I overcome this phase? I did it by empowering myself with information. This is the only way you're going to overcome that resignation because what that emotion is trying to tell you is it is no longer possible for you because you lack X, Y, and Z. So I started by literally going to Mr. Google. Okay. I went to uncle Google and I said, okay, this, this, this thought, this emotion is trying to tell me that it's too late for me. Let me go and see if it's truly too late for me. Let me, let me even just test this. Let's see what's out there. And I literally began to Google, can an adult learn to ride a bike? I remember this cause I wrote it down. <laughs> All right. If my brain is telling me that you cannot learn to ride a bicycle as an adult, all I need to do is what you see one example. Once I have an anomaly, that's it. Nobody can tell me otherwise. If somebody somewhere has done it before, it means it's possible. 
So I went to Google and then I began to research the different options. And as I was doing that research, empowering myself with information, the more I became informed, the more that sense of resignation began to leave me. That that emotion of resignation, like it's not possible, you can't do it, you don't have what it takes, all that imposter syndrome and all those kind of things, they began to leave, almost like almost like leaking out of a bag. That's how it felt. And the more I researched, the more I became empowered. I even found and I had a cycling coach because I'm like, do you know what? I'm an adult, okay? I can pay for a coach. <laughs> I can pay for a coach and I want it done properly. I want it done right. I want it done by an expert, etc. So I found and I had a, a cycling coach and finally I, I jumped in my car and I went to buy a bike. So everything's like, oh, you don't have this, you don't. The, the resignation comes to lie to you that you don't have the resources. And resources can be whether the emotional death, whether, you know, the strength, whether the physical resources, wh whatever it is. It tries to tell you that it's not possible because you don't have what it takes, but it's not true. Literally, you say, oh, come and apply for this job or come and take this promotion. Like, I don't think I can do that. No, why don't you go back into your own history and begin to remind yourself of what you're capable of? Do you understand that? So dig deep, find information, become informed, empower yourself with that information. And that feeling of resignation will literally fly out of your mind. Okay, so let's move on to the next one. So after, so remember stage one was, oh, it's their fault. Why didn't they do this to me? Why didn't they help me? Etc. Etc. Then I was like, ah, how old are you that you're saying that? I accept responsibility. Once I accept responsibility and embrace the desire, the next thing was resignation. Hey, okay, I know it's my own, you know, it's my job now to teach myself and to make sure that I do, but it's too late. I don't have what it takes, etc. And then I overcame that. So number three, the third self-sabotaging emotion that you will have to face and overcome is the fear of failure. Now, remember, I'm at the point where I now have the resources. I have the coach that's going to teach me. I have my bicycle. I have my resolve. I have my desire. I'm like, yes, I can do it. And I've equipped myself. I've empowered myself with information and with resources. Now, it's now time to go and start learning the thing now. It was now fear of failure that, ah. So now I was fully equipped to take on this enormous task. But as the day of my first lesson approached, the fear that I would fail to learn, the fear that I would literally fall on my, on my, on my, on my bum <laughs> and you know, never get up again, which was a real fear. The fear that, ah, you know, you, that's how you go and try this one to an abandon this one kind of thing. You know, the fear of not finishing, the fear of not finishing strong, the fear of abandoning it, which is something that I absolutely hate, right? Abandoning it. And then it goes into, you know, this, this catalog of failed things that you said you were going to do and you never did. All those, these are the things that are literally start, you know, that came to attack my mind that I would fail to learn, that it would all be for nothing, that I would have wasted all my time, my energy for nothing. And it was so real. This emotion, this self-sabotaging emotion was so strong and so real that I almost called off 
the coaching. I almost literally texted the woman and said, sorry, oh, you know, I can't go forward with this. And that made some silly excuse that like, I'm actually very busy at the time. Let's let's leave it until, you know, a few weeks time. I'll contact you. I almost did this because I felt that emotion really strongly. The fear of failure. The fear of failure is different from resignation. Resignation is I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. Look at you, know, etc. Fear of failure is you have what it takes. So you have everything you need. The way the Bible says in Psalm 78 that the children of Ephraim, they were armed for battle. But then when they, when they were about to go into battle, they said they turned back. The children of Israel in the wilderness, they had seen the fire. They had seen the cloud. They had seen the Red Sea. They had seen all those things. They were equipped. God was with them. But when they looked ahead and looked at the giants, they said, no, no, we're not going. Do you understand that? So it's, it's when you, you know, when you really, you know, take stock of what you have, you know, you have what you need to move forward. But the fear that ah, if I go and invest this money now or this time, if I go and step out now, what if it fails? All right. And how did I overcome this fear? I overcame this fear the only way that I knew. Again, I started speaking back. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I argued defiantly with that fear until I silenced it. Because listen, fear is actually a spirit. It's a spirit. Feel it, feel it, feel it. How do people say this thing? Feel it afraid. I'll be do it afraid or some, something like that. Like feel the fear and do the deed. Do the deed. Feel the fear. Do. Let me tell you, fear is a spirit. I understand that when you, you may have nervous knots. Nervous knots is not fear. Fear paralyzes. Fear is not feel the fear and do the deed. You cannot do any deed when fear is manifesting. Because the role of fear is to literally paralyze. To keep you in that place and you can't even move forward. Right? Fear of the giants literally kept the Israelites stuck in the wilderness for 40 years and they died there. When they say, okay, let's just feel the fear and go and... No, 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 no. Fear you speak, oh, it's a spirit. So you have to speak back. Whatever that fear is suggesting, you speak back. You say, in the name of Jesus, I can do all things. You know, this will end in my salvation, etc., etc. You have to speak back spirit to spirit. Spirit to spirit. Do not nurse the fear. Do not romance the fear. Do not say, well, I don't postpone it either. Because the more you give into that fear, the stronger its hold upon your mind will become. So I spoke back. I said, ah, is this not, I can't do this thing. I know that I can do it. Another way to overcome that fear is to go back into your history. Look at things that were difficult, that looked impossible, but you did them anyway. And begin to remind yourself, silence that fear. And that's literally what I had to do. I had to speak back. I had to convince myself that I'm able to do it. Does that mean that I will not quote and unquote have many failures along the way? Does that mean that the moment I get on the bike, literally I become an Olympic cyclist? No, I will fall down probably. I will feel like giving up probably, etc. But all those do not count for anything because they are learning processes along the way. So I was saying these things to myself that will I have setbacks? Yes. Will I have moments where it will feel hard? Yes. But does that mean that I can't do it? No, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So fear of failure was the next thing that I had to overcome. Now, moving on to the next and the final one, the final sabotaging, self-sabotaging emotion that I felt strongly and had to overcome was actually embarrassment. And embarrassment is rooted in what? Pride. Pride. 
it is rooted in pride. This is different from the fear of failure. Embarrassment is basically saying, I don't want to look like a fool. And until you are willing to look like a fool, you cannot become wise. So embarrassment or pride or ego will say, I know what to do. I will not subject myself to experts or people that have acquired the knowledge or understanding prior to me. Ego says, yes, yeah, so I know that I can do this thing. So remember, we have dealt with all the, you know, uh, preceding self-sabotaging emotions. I'm at the point where I'm like, I can absolutely do it. The last one is most dangerous because I could now say, ah, what's there, what's there, what's there, what's there? Why do I need the coach? Why da, da, da? And all those kind of things. Like, I don't need anybody, etc., etc. So that actually is now rooted in the embarrassment the embarrassment is basically i don't want anybody to to know that i'm a novice in this thing i don't want anybody to see me anything you know less than as less than perfect or put well put together all right i don't want to be vulnerable all right. That's the next self-sabotaging emotion. And it's impossible for you to go to the next level without a degree of vulnerability. Do you understand that? So for me, right, starting from scratch and the, the way we're going to practice and where she was going to coach me was in the park. At the time I lived in central London, central-ish London, and there was a massive, beautiful, massive park just behind me. And I would always go into that park. I would go jogging. I would go, go walking. I would just sit, you know, um, sit in the park. We would feed the ducks and all this kind of thing. So I was very familiar with the park. I knew that people would, you know, whiz their cycle, cycle, what's it called, bicycles through the park. Kids would come and play there. Kids would come and ride their bike in there. Adults would come and, you know, do exercise and ride. So I knew that there were so many people that were very good at cycling that were in the park. So the idea of me, me, allow me, Brigway, at the time I was allow me, Sarumi, okay? Me, allow me, Sarumi, as I am a senior leader in my workplace, in my organization, eh? I will now be going into the park and I will now be learning how to ride a bike, appearing to be a novice, like a little child, surrounded by eyes that are judging me surrounded by experts that are just whizzing psh, 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 psh. as me i'm trying to say oh, where do i put my foot which pedal should i <laughs> people are whizzing the people that are five years old right are whizzing past me quick fast on their own bicycle i'm like eh that embarrassment was real low and is rooted in what pride ego starting from scratch surrounded by experts is not fun i tell you that being vulnerable, somebody is, you know, is head of your department or something, and the person is half your age. I say, eh, me, I should go. He's half his guy and say, have, ask them politely for five minute meetings. He say, eh, so please, how did you do it? I say, eh, me, me. Ego wants to fight. Ego wants to say, I know everything. I don't need to ask you. I don't need to collaborate. That's ego. Ego wants to isolate. Why? Because he fears embarrassment. If he has embarrassment, he doesn't want to look less than quote and unquote, you know, to diminish itself, its image in the, in, in the eyes of people. All right. So a wave of embarrassment hit me every time I got in that pack full of people. So the first lesson I, I, I felt so embarrassed 
Like people, and you know, people will help you as well to be embarrassed. Remember, Satan too is working on this matter. People will help you. I saw people stopping and sort of almost shaking their head. Like, ah, see this old woman. <laughs> see how tall and big you are that you are now at this time of your of your life. Instead of them to commend you, instead of every time I went out with my coach on my bike, and it was apparent that I was trying to ride the bike, instead of them to fall guard of honor and to be clapping for me that, wow, you are amazing. Wow, at this, you, you didn't give up. You are choosing to do so. Instead of them to be doing that, some, a lot of them were just looking, shaking their heads. I said, <laughs> let me not tell you what I wanted to say. I didn't say it all. But, ah, but that's the reality of life. People will mock you. They will mock you. David said, I can take out Goliath. His brother said, where did you leave that small sheep? You always just, it's embarrassment. That's, that's it. It's a self-sabotaging behavior. The point of that, of the judgment is to embarrass you into silence. It's to embarrass you into stagnation. It's to embarrass you into crawling into a hole and never coming out of it. Right? You want to keep your reputation, but you don't, you didn't understand a single word they said in that meeting. <laughs> But you're like, no, you put on, you know, British face. I say, you are smiling at everybody. Ah, I get it. I understand. So if it's a quick, gently go ask them. I say, uh, please, uncle, I do understand <laughs> what anybody was saying in that meeting. Right? So every time, the first lesson, my goodness, I was so embarrassed. And the thing is, every time I went, it was just like people whizzing past me at impressive speeds. Ah, a park full of people. I was very aware that I was a fully grown woman learning to ride a bike in a society. If it was Nigeria, at least we're plenty. A lot of people there <laughs> do not know how to ride bikes. So they don't really, I mean, I don't know about now, but you can, you know, there's, there's uh, what, suffering together. Do you hear? Nobody can really harass you. Say, you two can you ride. But in this society where almost everybody from the time of like age five, you can ride. So those, that barrier of thoughts came to suggest that I was being harshly judged as people young and old stopped to watch. Some with wonder, a few with admiration, and a lot of them with mockery, as in not outright mockery, like, you know, jeering or anything, but you can see it in their eyes, like they're just like bewildered, like, ah, how old are you, right? How did I overcome this? I overcame this by reminding myself that if I didn't give up in a couple of weeks, not only would I too be a rider, I would have overcome a far greater challenge than most people face to get there. Look at this. The Bible says, do you know that the most significant thing, self-sabotaging emotion like Jesus faced, the enemy he had to conquer was shame. He says, for the joy that was set before him, what did Jesus, he overcame the shame. He was the father, at least look at me, 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 creator and the possessor of the heavens and the, I'll now be going naked on one cross. Ah, you say, eh, lie, lie. It was, it was the, the shame of like, sh eh, me, no, I'm not doing it. Oh. Is that another way? Is that another way? No, I'm not doing that. Oh. Me that I can call the angels to come and deliver me. I'll now submit myself. They'll be nailing me to the cross. Me too, I'll be there. Just saying, ow, ow. And not be able to do anything. No, no, me, I'm not doing that too. It's a shame. It's a shame that the judgment is shame. So <laughs> shame is a very potent self-sabotaging emotion. You have to know how to deal with this thing. 
But how do you overcome shame? I just quoted the scripture to you for the joy. The way you overcome embarrassment, shame, is by reminding yourself of the joy that is set before you. Right? The woman with the alabaster box, how did she overcome the shame of going to, you know, <clears throat> release her oil and to worship Jesus at his feet? The, the room was full of Pharisees, of disciples, of people that were judging her. But she said, well, me, I don't care. Me, I know what I want to do. The joy of being able to worship Jesus. I'm going to put that in front of me and I'm going to do it anyway. And that was what literally helped her do it. So to overcome that embarrassment, the shame of judgment, you must remind yourself of the, of the joy that is in front of you. Put it in front of you. So I kept telling myself, mm -hmm, it's only for a while. And in fact, the, the coaching course was three weeks. It was only three weeks. And I said to myself, in three weeks time, I'll be like one of these people that are, you know, that are zipping past at impressive speeds. I'm going to be one of them. Nobody will be looking at me again. Let them look now. But the fact that, and there's something else that I said that a lot of these people that were judging me learned as kids. So they did not have to overcome the kind of challenge that I'm having to overcome in order to get the same thing that they have. And guess who is more blessed? Is me. Because it says the degree to which you overcome a challenge is the degree to which um, you are, you are uh, honored. All right? The size of the obstacle will determine the size of the glory. So because I'm having to overcome the challenge as an adult, which is a bigger challenge, for me, it's greater glory. Do you understand that? So I started telling myself that I put it in actual perspective, like it's uncomfortable now. I feel embarrassed, but I don't care. I'm going to go through with it. And that's exactly what happened. Exactly three weeks after I got on my bicycle for the first time, I too began to whiz past others at impressive speeds. So. There's four self-sabotaging emotions. They will come calling. They will. Number one, biology or chemistry, whatever I want to call it. Meaning your brain, your body, the way your body is designed. It will come after you. That's number one. And number two, let's not also forget satanic resistance. So at whatever level the resistance comes, it will come. And if you don't know how to identify and deal with these emotions, you will very easily give in to them. And they will stop you from making that change that you desire. All right. So don't forget, James is opening up November 22nd, but you can get on the waitlist now to receive information about it prior to those doors opening up. Link is in the show notes and I will be back next week with another episode of the podcast. See you then. This is Allow Me Brugway.